What's up, family? Welcome back to the Stop Sinking Show, where we go from struggle to flow. It's funny how state-dependent these episodes are and how volatile, like a real human, my perspective can be at the whim of that day's feeling. And we're a walking chemical experiment, so it's literally so many things from the way that my day started to my diet to exercise to so many small little choices I make in the middle of that day that can either really upset that chemical balance or help it help me in what I'm trying to do. So yes, just based off of today's chemical balance, the tea I am today is the tea you get. Hot, cold, warm, cool, spicy, just how it is. The best part about this podcast for me is that I get to capture an inspired state from a moment in time. And as a human being, when I forget to live out these principles or lose sight of them, I can be here to remind myself as a recording, almost like self-therapy for my future self, which could be literally tomorrow, depending on the chemical balance of how tomorrow goes. But hopefully not. Hopefully there's some residual understanding of this concept, despite Yes, the emotional decay from no longer being in the same exact state. It does fade. So based off the tea of the day, I like that. I might have to use that somewhere. Tea of the day. Based off today, when reflecting on all the things I procrastinate on, when all the things I know I should do come to mind, know how to do, and the only step left is to actually do them, I started to ask myself why I don't do them. And today came back a voice from inside that said, because you position them as if they cannot be done joyously. So naturally, I had to go inquire further into that response from inside of myself. And as I was walking around this house, a place I actually feel stuck in, ironically, because of whatever circumstances, while walking around this house, I look around me and see a padded rock bottom. Even with the discontentment I have with this place, much of which is just made up in my mind. A lot of it comes back to feeling like it's not fulfilling my potential. And I don't know what about being here makes me feel that. I don't think it's the geography that matters at the end of the day. Other than the time zone difference, which definitely beats me up. Maybe it's the stress with which I came here under that made it difficult to think about anything future related because of that future being so uncertain that I couldn't make plans for it, and because that is now associated with this place. And even though some of that uncertainty is not as acute as it was in the middle of the storm, I still find myself adding this unnecessary color to everything 
which just furthers my discontentment with being here. And it's not necessarily a bad place or devoid of comforts. And that perspective now balances my discontentment as the voice is going on in my head and gets us back to the point that this isn't a bad place. And actually, just like anywhere else in any other corner in the world, there are people living here for generations who are seemingly happy, joyous, and merrily going about their business all the while dealing with tragedy and triumph and trekking through life in whatever manner seems meaningful to them. In other words, life is happening here, just like it is anywhere else. Which is my first cue as to the fact that the color being added is a subjective and my own added misery. And it is not an objective reflection of this place. And although I can critique some very objective things about India, but that's besides the point. I'll save that for a debate. Life is happening here. And many people who have less than me have way more peace and joy, at least looking from the outside, than I seem to have within myself. And that was another cue. And really what got me thinking is how blessed I am to have such a padded rock bottom. That if all else fails, and yes, I've done my own contribution to padding my own rock bottom, aside from just being born into this blessing, but even from the blessing of being born into it, I am, I am so blessed to have the views from a floor where people are still working so hard to break through the ceilings to see. And to get back to my point, provided by the gratitude of this chemical state, this gratitude of my rock bottom being so padded, even if all else fails. Why then am I not doing things out of joy and joy only? Meaning, if my all else fails scenario is so much the best case scenario for so many other people in the world, why do I even bother to impose any shoulds on myself at all? Like Tony Robbins says, why do I should all over myself? Why do I even come at what I want to do from that energy of an imposition of a should? Do I hope it will invoke some action? Under what state? Stress because I should? Should implies a gap in itself. It implies, it immediately points to, hey, you are here and you should be here. And if I'm not there, wherever this should thinks I should be, isn't there some relevant data in the fact that I'm not actually there? Meaning, is it really a surprise that I procrastinate and don't get things done, regardless of the should imposition? Regardless of the should's invocation to some internal pressure that I foolishly hope motivates me on some fundamental level to bridge the gap pointed at by this should. I mean, why have this kind of energy towards getting anything done? 
and asking yourself to do anything because of that foolish hope that that stress that should puts on you invokes some action. Isn't it almost a backhanded condescending assignment by the should? Like you should do this. And now some part of you inside will measure you against this should like it was some goal you set up, but other parts of you never fully accepted because they felt ashamed or ridiculed by the judge in you who set up the should scenario. Why not ask yourself nicely instead, like you like yourself? Because you actually might want to do it. And if you don't want to do it, then that's okay too. Who's to say you should do it? No, actually, that's a real question. If you have shoulds that you clearly aren't translating to ours, making them happen, because you aren't actually doing them, you put them off or procrastinate on them because you don't fully accept the should imposition as if it's clearly something that understands the full picture of you enough to provide direction to you anyway. So you dismiss the should because you don't think it really understands you. Who is it to tell you what to do? But some part of you still judges you from the should. And another part dismisses it. But where did you pick up this should in the first place? Maybe it's not your should to have. Maybe you were infected by that should. You not living in accordance to it is obviously some indication of that fact. And I say all that because this should energy never produces much consistently because there remains some internal dissonance like we talked about, some resistance on some level that hasn't accepted it. And again, in this state of gratitude, I ask myself, what would I be if I did what I wanted to do or did those things from a place of wanting to do them? Instead of imposing onto myself that I should do them. Because the source of this gratitude reminds I don't really have to do anything. I'm blessed. There's no shoulds that can coexist from this level of freedom. It only amplifies the dissonance. I can literally do nothing and live out the rest of my existence in the higher rung of society. So all shoulds fail. The only thing that survives is desire and joy. Only done from a place of fun and curiosity and joy and wanting to serve. The shoulds won't get you past a certain point. The power of shoulds dry up fast. After all the basics are taken care of, Pure joy and purpose become the inexhaustible well from which the source of your consistent doing comes from. So if you aren't doing much in life, if you are procrastinating on things like me, it's because you don't believe the shoulds. You aren't under threat enough. You aren't in pain enough. And that can soften you, sure. And to get out of it, you can either manufacture a crisis 
to increase the effectiveness of the shoulds, to put the shoulds in the driver's seat again, to navigate you out of your crisis into wherever it is that you're aiming. And as effective of a tool as it is, this manufacturing of a crisis, so you put the shoulds in the driver's seat, it's only a short-term hack. It can be used to redesign culture in a company, change momentum within an organization or within yourself, but as a longer-term navigational tool. What keeps us going tirelessly is desire, joy, doing it for fun, having fun while doing it. Okay, sure, you'll be bored and hate some things, but you'll even push past those not because you should, because you want to. Just let yourself want that for yourself. Create from a place of joy. What you procrastinate into, escape into, isn't difficult, right? It's easy to watch Netflix all day. No one has to tell you you should finish that series and watch the next episode. Imagine if we just allowed ourselves out of commitment to joy that self-directed navigation to activities that only maximize that joy. And hopefully not in just some hedonistic, selfish way, but actually somehow that commitment to joy translates to more access to joy for other people because you either directly contribute through what beautiful business or creation you birth that impacts people or because your own selfish indulgence in joy births that beauty in you that infects everyone you cross paths with, I would consider either one of those a success. But just imagine that commitment to joy. Imagine opening your eyes to the world tomorrow and everyone you encounter is manifesting their desires and living through their joy. Imagine the glimmer in their eyes. Imagine meeting these people, their unwavering gaze. Imagine the confidence in their gait. Imagine the firmness in their shake or the genuine warmth in their hug. Imagine the security with which they express their ideas, the openness with which they listen the resistance in their impulse to interrupt. Picture them as carefree and as unaffected as they seem. Now imagine imposing upon them a should. Hey, super happy, seemingly successful, highly in tune, congruent, and evidently expanded, peaceful, and joyous person. I think you should do this. Do you think you'll get any buy-in? Do you think any impositions of shoulds pierce through that impervious alignment with desire? That joy? This is the core of all of us. Utterly always at peace. Optimizing for joy. Seeking pleasure. Avoiding pain. And this core causes the dissonance when the shoulds are presented. Why not just work with it and listen to it? 
It's willing to work around the clock for what it's after, with desire. And to actively avoid the imposition of anything that distances it from the peace and joy it's optimizing for. And that's not to say you can't do anything difficult. But all difficulty is easily accepted and traversed with the backdrop of meaning and purpose and peace and just plain old want. I'll climb this mountain because I want to. No mountain is taller than my desire. I'll ask you to join me in this assignment that I'm going to be undertaking for who knows how long. Audit how often the word should comes up in your mind and in your communication. I am sure if I listen back to all of my podcasts, I'm very guilty of this because I look at the world with this internal pressure that I put on myself because I believe somewhere inside of me that it invokes some stress and pressure and I believe stress and pressure is an effective way to get things done. And that misconception is what I'm trying to break, what I'm understanding could be the cause of avoidance and doing things and presenting myself with another way to get them done, which is through peace and joy and want and for fun and not because I have to. Audit how often the word should comes up in your mind and in your communication. That's our assignment. And once you have an idea of how often it's happening, once you can get a count on it, once you can pay attention to it happening, start to think about where you picked up these shoulds. Whose shoulds are they? If it's really your should, why aren't you doing what you yourself think you should do? Where's the misalignment? And the last step is to get in touch with the desire that you've drowned down by the shoulds. That is, once you have blown the cover off this should game and gotten answers back from within yourself as to whether you really want to do the things that you've shoulded onto yourself or not, or whether you've now reduced, increased, created, or eliminated new things from that should list, you'll have an updated list and some things you'll toss because if you were honest, you realize you were just fooling yourself and expecting that from yourself and it doesn't really fit exactly with your desires that they were someone else's shoulds. And then you may have said to yourself, no, I really do want to do some of the things I say I should do. And the fact that I haven't done them is a framing problem. And now that I'm clear on my desire, I'm going to do them because I want to do them, not because I have to. And if I still don't do them, then I have to repeat this process until I distill out the smallest possible thing I actually want to do and will do 
and then do it and then work up from there. All the dependency from outside shoulds now severed and all doing guided by an alignment with what you actually want to do from a place of fun and joy and actually doing them. I'm excited to open my eyes to that world full of manifestations of your purest desires. I love you, family. Please share the show. See you next time.